All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to the intro and sitting down with my two main men of fitness this week, Mr. Max Isaac, Mr. James Hobart. Welcome back to the intro. Everybody's fired up this morning. A little too much caffeine. Happy to be much, here. A little too much coffee talk prior to the show. Oh, Max is already gone. Shirt <laughs> he just ripped off. his shirt off. <laughs> just pounding his chest like King Kong right now. Look at those traps, bro. Man, All you do you is shrug. Good. That's never it. Knows, never knows. I don't know. Looking good, man. I'm getting. I'm. I'm too. It's. I'm too warm in here. You know when you've had like so much coffee that like you just start sweating. You know, I just can't stop. Like, I think my heart might explode. <laughs> that is one of the all time worst feelings is having too much coffee and then getting like the super anxious coffee jitters. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta smash a banana right away. That's is that what I bad. should have. Yeah. I've already had one banana today, and I know that EC says it's okay to have two bananas, but I'm I'm kind of nervous about what might happen to me if I have two bananas. Um, although bananas are my favorite fruit, so favorite fruit, bold statement, all time favorite yeah, fruit. Yeah, most affordable and best fruit. Definitely is most, it the affordable. most affordable. It is. Yeah, yeah, they sell those things for like sixty nine cents a pound. That scares me a little bit. Just piles and piles of bananas. You guys ever think about what happens to all of the food? What happens to all the food that they don't sell? All the fresh food that they don't sell at grocery stores? Nobody's buying all those fucking bananas. That's crazy. What happens um, to all that stuff? I used Probably. to um, volunteer at an aquarium and we would go to the grocery <laughs> stores and they would throw out all the lettuce and we would take all lettuce and that's like you feed with like all the fish and the reptiles. You You feed fish lettuce? What kind of yeah, fucking weak ass fish are we trying to get over? Here? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, man, you. Uh, I was, I was on the forefront of the vegan trend, man. I even brought it to the fish. This <laughs> <laughs> is withered ass lettuce. <laughs> what kind of aquarium was this? Goldfish in your bathtub? Yeah, you'd okay. feed them all the leftover, all leftover veggies and stuff, man. Um, those poor fish. Those poor it's fish. crazy to see. Yeah, right. It's, they're probably dead now. Oh, they're definitely dead. They're like, There's no see. question like, about it. Those fish are dead. Old lettuce again? God damn it! <laughs> it's crazy to see how much food does get thrown out. Yeah, dude. I think I think that that's pretty crazy. That like you have all this stuff. You have all this meat that like it can't. They sell that shit up to the last second that you can sell it. They got brown. Meat. Oh, boy, I'll buy that. That's disgusting. If you, <laughs> I, I would buy like the, the last, I would always buy like, wait for the last chance ribeyes, man. They're just good. Those are just, if you, you cannot buy the brown meat. The brown meat is off limits. That is just the fucking stomach bug waiting to happen. You're going to be on the toilet nonstop. If you buy you know, the brown meat, you know who we should bring on this podcast to talk who? about it. Harry, I knew you were going to say that. Um, the and so, the Lord of Hard Work pays off. Yes, the I've king. never, I've never seen somebody take more chances with food. I can remember specifically there was a time when uh, I was couch surfing on James's and and Harry's couch, and I had bought um, some of the fresh. Is this um, post? This is the post MDV era in that house or pre? Yes. Post DV. Yo, you PD post DV. <laughs> PDV. PDV. This is the PDV. 
era and i had bought the house oh my goodness the the fresh grass-fed beef from behind you know from the counter the meat counter and i had left it in the fridge for a couple of weeks truly and i took it out and it was completely brown no and yes don't tell me he ate it and, and i'm about to throw it away and harry goes don't throw that away still good (laughs) (laughs) it was it was two pounds of beef that was expired for sure harry cooked it up a little salt little pepper that was it that ate two two pounds of ground beef next day pr his back squat by 52 pounds I don't that's know if they're related. Truly, I don't truly know if they're disgusting. related. Then he was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <he was. laughs> Six months. He Six months later. <laughs> Dude, that smell, that's the worst smell in the world when you open up old meat. Stop, stop, stop. That, that slimy, gross smell. Oh, and it has smell. like that, has like that, it's like, like that that film iridescent, that iridescent glaze on it. What uh, is that? That's why it's that peak savoriness <laughs> it all Max of a sudden so turns into fucking exxon yeah, valdez i had to i had to leave i was feeling a little too a little too sick but now i'm back i'm feeling good um you got a shirt on now yeah well it i'll i'll be honest with you it's a little cold here and um i just needed a quick little air out and now i'm feeling i'm feeling really good so Max, what's your favorite Cause you're living in the new England area. So the change of seasons is upon us, right? Like you're in the, are you in fall territory now fully have all the we're, leaves started to change? Have the new yeah, York showed up yet? We're in full leaf peeping mode here. So, um, I love, love fall. I love all the seasons here. I'm really hoping for just an absolutely brutal winter. Snow, um, rain, just, ice, everything. Complete snow apocalypse. Like my favorite, <laughs> my favorite part of winter. And this is actually another time when a PDV living in that house, <clears throat> that winter that I was living with James and Harry, it was like the most brutal winter we've ever had before. And we would be digging out the gym, you know, multiple times a week. The thing that I love the most is driving in your four wheel drive car, like during a massive snowstorm, and you're like, totally fine driving and maybe you're doing a little whipping doing a little fishtailing here and there maybe you're going to go into you know a huge (laughs) parking lot hit some donuts you know and like i think that you know that's like one of the most fun parts of of the winter there is a pretty cool feeling it's almost like a specific new england feeling too or or, uh upstate kind of new york-ish northeast feeling where it's like you're driving in the morning and there's fresh snow out and they're just plowing the roads or they haven't plowed the roads just yet. And you're driving early to go open up the gym, man. That's pretty, that hits me in the, uh, the old feels, man. Did that for a lot yeah. of years. Um, and then the, the other move that you're doing is, you know, you're a real new Englander when you never use a to go cup for your coffee. You just, you just got the got mug. Your, you've got your mug. You've got one hand <laughs> on the wheel. And it's like you're just balancing it perfectly as you're taking the turns and you're going from side to side with the coffee mug. That's like one of my that's one of my favorite things. Do you guys or you're just keep going or you're just driving with your knees? You know, that's yeah. how you know. Uh, anyway, I don't don't do be driving with your I'm knees. Kid- I'm kidding. All the time. All the time. Shut up, MDV. Like you've never done that. 
I probably have done it, but I saw a fuck. So I saw an x-ray the other day on Instagram of somebody. So you know how people drive sometimes and they put their foot up on like the dash or in the passenger seat, you put the foot up on the dash. First of all, I'm never drinking a glass bottle ever again while I'm driving. Imagine getting into a car accident and you're drinking from a glass bottle at the exact time that you get into a car accident. That's like a heat missile that's going to go right through your <laughs> right through your head but the x-ray that i saw for the person who was driving their femur was like in their butthole like it was like <laughs> it was it was the weirdest x-ray ever it was like the whole body just shifted over and what the x-ray said was that like this person was in a car accident while they had their foot up on the dashboard and it just took everything and adjusted it right. Just like clicking that little button on Microsoft Word and just went, what? Um, drove it over. I wonder what type of car they were driving. You know, like I, I know. probably a smart car. Yeah, I'd like to drive like a Hummer. Um, James, you your, have, you your have some, car is you enormous. Pretty much, you pretty much yeah. drive the one of the biggest it's trucks. Urban assault vehicle. Yeah. And um, and I love it. Um, Did you see the, uh, so Z- one of our buddies, Zathan Simpson posted on Instagram the other day and Zathan is a coach in the new England area and he's got this big motherfucking truck. He's got a big white truck. I don't know if it's a Dodge Ram or something, but he posted in his story. It was like someone stuffed a, um, a note into his handle of his door that said, tell me you're five, two without telling you, without telling me you're five, two. <laughs> That's amazing. That's I like that this person just walking around insulting people. I, yeah, I out of that. nowhere. Out of but nowhere. He's, but he's 5'3", correct? Yeah, Zathan. Yeah, Zathan's yeah, definitely. So he's he, probably 5'5". Five, five. So I'm definitely so he, taller than Zathan. <laughs> no, really? I'm no, I'm not. Zathan, Zathan's probably like 5'10 or 5'11". He's a big yeah. guy. Hmm. Hmm. Could dunk five, a basketball ten. for sure. The kid had ups. You think he could? Yeah. I've never seen him do it. He played. Zathan was a walk-on at Oklahoma for no, basketball. Wasn't. Yeah, he Texas was. Tech. Texas he Tech. He walked on to the or Sooners. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. <laughs> um, it's the story of Rudy, actually, which is the greatest sports movie of all time. Not nah. <laughs> Zathan's the Blind Side. Dude, the Blind Side. There, there, there's some a lot wrinkles of stuff. in the Blind Side going on right now. With, with so, Mike, so really? Michael, yeah, Michael yeah. Orr. Um, What's going on I there? Said, not, <laughs> not the Michael Moore, the documentarian who's. No, I said Michael Orr. That's oh, Michael name. Orr. Michael Orr. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, famous yeah. hockey player. Yes, Bobby. Bobby Orr. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, apparently in the Blind Side, you wouldn't believe this, but the whole story is fabricated. It's crazy. I didn't realize that movies aren't real. Um, so apparently the whole story was kind of fabricated and um, allegedly, I don't, believe, I don't believe that. Allegedly. So here the real story is allegedly what they had this guy sign, what Michael Orr signed was a conservatorship as opposed to an adoption. So essentially the same shit that Britney Spears had for a long time with her dad, where her dad had conservatorship over her money, her finances, makes all the decisions. Essentially, it's a document. I don't know. I'm not a real lawyer. I just play one on TV. But essentially, it's a document that allows people other than you to make decisions for you and in your name. And that's Mm. the deal that this guy had going on. And apparently, apparently, I don't know how you don't fucking know this, but apparently he didn't know. And he didn't know until after his NFL career, but it looks like it's 
being reversed or something's happening, we'll need to get a real lawyer on the show. So allegedly, this is what's all going on. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, well, pretty interesting. Um, either way, um, the blind side and Rudy are not top sports movies. So. There's no way that you can make the claim that Rudy's not a top sports movie. I don't care if you don't think it's number one, but it is definitely a top sports movie. What would you put above it? I'm not saying that you can't put things above it, but like it's in the top five. It's got punching power to be ben, in the top five. Bench, for sure. bench warmers, replacements. Remember the Titans. Get the fuck out of here. Remember the Titans. Sandlot. Um, the fighter. Rookie of the year. Best sports movie ever. Rookie of the, the year fighter? is actually, actually the really good. <laughs> it's Friday night, Friday Air night lights. Danny Glover. Bandit like Beckham. Foxcatcher. Longest yard. The Foxcatcher documentary is better than the Foxcatcher movie, but both are ex- insane. Oh, Shaolin Soccer, hands down one of the best sports movies ever. Shallow how. How about, how about King Richard? Story, I never story saw King of, Richard. Really, really. Well, yeah, because you canceled Will Smith, but all, the rest of us really liked the movie. The King's uh, Speech, <laughs> The King's Men. The King's Speech is a better, <laughs> guy a better sports movie than Rudy. <laughs> Um, James and I are both reading from the exact same list that we just pulled up. White men can't jump. That oh was, man, very good great movie. movie. That Holy was the fir- that was the first rated R movie I ever saw. Oh, that um, just gets you into the whole Demolition Man. One of the best Wesley Snipes movie ever. Wow, De- Demolition Man. God, Sandra White Bullock man can't- in that. Sylvester Stallone. God, Demolition Man is a good action movie. Very good action movie. I hope that. How about- you know, I- how about Warrior? You guys ever Squid seen Warrior? Game. Squid Game. It's just a sports movie. <laughs> We're going to... Harry Potter. No, let's, let's come back to reality here. Let's come back to reality. Matt, what would you say? With, um, who's what that? Would you That's got Venom. Venom's in it, right? What's his name? Tom Hardy? Um, yeah, Blue Tom Crunch. Hardy. The Fighter oh, is actually a be... fantastic movie. The Fighter is the one with Mark Wahlberg Mick... and Christian no, Bale, right? Yeah, Rooney. <laughs> That's the wrestler. <laughs> Mickey, it's Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rooney is like <laughs> from the 1920s. <laughs> Mickey, <laughs> Mickey Rooney. <laughs> I was gonna say you said Blue him and James Cag- James Cagney. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> of surface for real. George Washington. Oh man, um, endless summer. Oh god. Step into liquid. Right. These are great sports movies. Those are actually those are two really good surf movies. James over here with the deep <sighs> surf knowledge. Wow. Three ninjas. Vin- visits California one time, automatically knows step Every, into liquid. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, one, I want to be a poser coops. That's me, man. James, you uh, just spent the weekend in California, right? I, well, the week. I was, the yeah, week. Yeah, I was there for the week. Out, uh, we had our CrossFit uh, All Employee Summit out in Santa Cruz, which was really cool. Shout out to uh, Santa Cruz for being awesome. And then I went up to uh, Yosemite for a day and, and hiked up there with some, some buddies. So, did, yeah. Did what was um what was the most epic um hike or you know uh, peak that you summited? Um, Everest probably. Um, no, Bottom so we look pretty cool in Yosemite. There's a really uh, famous hike up this um, 
feature called Half Dome. And we didn't do Half Dome, but we went up to Cloud Breath, which I believe is a little higher and looks out at Half Dome. But um, Cloud Breath was beautiful getting up there. And, what was the uh, elevation on the climb? Do you, do you remember? It's not a lot. I think it's it's maybe max 3,000 meters. So you, half, dome, half Dome is 8,800 uh, 8, feet above above sea level. Half okay. Dome is 8,800 feet That's above sea high. level. Um, Cloud's Rest yeah. is, is, is 9,000. 9, um, Did your fingers turn into little 9, sausages when you, were, when you were hiking up? Did you get like any well, of that stuff where you like started to swell in your hands a little bit? I lost two of them. Um, <laughs> Which two? No, my, fi- my, fingers, my fingers are fine. Um, what's, <laughs> okay. what's your, what's your, what's your, okay. what's your, what's your favorite, uh, hiking snack? Gummy bears. Are we going to talk really? about this shit called <clears throat> Gorp? Do, are we going to talk about this? Oh, I love Gorp. What the it's fuck trail is Gorp? Mix. It's trail mix. Gorp it's is another word. It's another word for trail mix. But every time Doesn't that it? I go, that I go hiking, Len, he thinks it's so funny. Lang goes, oh, make sure you pack your gorp, and he <laughs> he loses it. And I'm like, I mean, yes, I'm going to pack Check. my gorp. So I always thought it stood for, this is on the REI website, this is beautiful. I thought it stood for good old raisins and peanuts gorp, or like a granola oats, raisins, peanuts. But a 1913 reference in the Oxford English Dictionary defines the word gorp as a verb meaning to eat greedily, which sounds pretty appropriate. Because you're just gorping it down. Yeah, that Your audio sounds like gorp right now. I don't know what you're doing. Where do you? Oh, well, I don't have my. I don't have my. I don't have oh, my microphone. And didn't pack it. Yeah, are you still I in mean, California right now? No, no, I'm back home. I just left it um, at the. Uh, I left it at the office. Okay. And to be honest with you, I can't find mine either. I don't know where I freaking put it. Like today, I was unpacking all my stuff, getting ready. I'm like, where did I put my microphone? Um. So I just won't, I won't talk for the rest of the podcast. We'll just let no, MDB please, talk. Please, no, you you're going to really it. want. No, Stop you're going to need to. Um, so after you hike, do you like? Do you find that you need like a day or two before you can get back into training, or do you feel like you do like a really big hike and <laughs> the next day you're kind of like ready to go? We covered a lot of ground. We did, we did thirty six miles, something like that, in a day. Wow. Um, with a lot of Pretty with a lot of vert, which I was told is significant, the amount of vert you cover. Um, yeah, that's that's the only thing that for people that either hike or people that run a lot of mountains, that's the only thing that you track is your is your vertical feet covered. Yeah, my really? buddy, my buddy Tebow, yes. he's actually a really excellent long distance runner. Um, and he's competed in some some big races. Anyway, he kept talking about the vert. It was very important to him. I just felt miserable the whole time. Um, I'm really interested in how you were feeling. So you really felt miserable during the hike or was it challenging for you or was it easy or what? Yeah, for sure. Challenging. Like I said, we covered a a lot of ground. I felt great. You know, um, you know, we, we ran some of the downhills and the flats, which was cool. And, uh, personally it's, you know, I've been talking a lot to my friend Tebow who I work with at CrossFit and there were two, two other guys came to, but, uh, I want to, I want to check some long distance stuff off the list. I'd like to, you know, run a continuous 50 K, uh, and then kind of see where, where it goes from there. Um, have you done you know, a marathon? I, saw, I have not done a marathon. No, the longest, the longest I've done is about probably, I don't know, maybe 18, 18 miles. Well, can continuous or like, 
you've probably done more than a marathon in some of the longer endurance events that you've done. For sure. Right? But in very different structure. I think there's uh there's something uniquely challenging about only doing the running. Right. Um, yeah. So kind of want to check some of those things off the list. I feel like it's an appropriate thing to do for my fitness. Well, it's something that's incredibly unique to humans. Um, for sure. <clears throat> because when you think about, you know, a, a lot of land mammals, um, humans are pretty unique in their ability to travel incredibly long distances um, in like one go the way that humans are, you know, with, like you said, a 50 K or 50 miler or hundred milers, you know, a lot, a lot of the animals are sprinters, right? They're, they're, you know, think about, you know, cheetahs, stuff like that. And so I was talking to somebody about it and it's, it was developed, you know, supposedly out of, out of necessity, you know, however many thousands of years ago where that's how they would hunt is, you know, you'd go with a, a, you know, large group of people and you're just following one animal for, you know, as long as it takes to tire that animal out. So mm. that's, so maybe that's what you could do, James, is just the most dangerous game. Just human. get an animal and follow it. <laughs> Sounds so annoying. Yeah. That does sound um, annoying. Imagine the animals looking back at you the whole time. Like, when is this motherfucker going to stop? Gonna leave um, me alone. Get speaking, of the mar- speaking of marathons, Chicago Marathon. And I don't have the gentleman's name uh, in front of me, but somebody broke the world record for fastest marathon at the Chicago Marathon, running it in two hours and 35 seconds. And for anybody who's a genius in math, just like we all are, that is four minutes and 36 second pacing for the miles. His second- Elvin Kiptum. Delvin Kiptum. Kelvin Kiptum. Kelvin Kiptum. Kelvin Kiptum. His first half of the marathon was like 60 minutes, and his second half of the marathon was 59 minutes. And at mile 22 or 21, he ran a 418 mile. That is bonkers. Those facts, those facts almost don't even make sense to me in my head. It's kind of like Tony Gwynn, who's a baseball player who's baseball player for like 20 years in um, major league baseball, one of the best hitters of all time. Only one time in his entire fucking career did he strike out three times in a game. One time. It's like these kind of stats are just incredible. I think the is marathon that more, is, is that, more impressive. Is that more impressive sure. than the marathon? Yeah, I think the marathon oh, yeah, is the mar- more impressive. The marathon's a world record that I don't think is ever going to be broken. But Tony Gwynn's got some <clears> of the <throat> sleeper best stats of all time. You know, you know, it's it's uh, it's really interesting that, that you're talking about these two things because I really have no sense of how hard it is to hit an MLB pitch. And somebody somebody posted, they're like, yeah, not a lot of people can really like put into context about like how hard it would be to to hit a pitch in the MLB. And the guy said, you know, essentially you'd get a hundred pitches and very likely make zero contact with any of them in a hundred pitches. If you're not, not a baseball player, like you'd be lucky to get a foul tip, but with the marathon, somebody like, you know, all of us on this call, we know what it's like to sprint 400 meters one time. And you come in at a minute and you're like, I am the fastest person in the world. And then this guy goes, hold my fucking beer. 
I'm going to hold that pace for two hours. And you're like, wow. Um, at the Chicago Marathon, at the Chicago Marathon, they used to have this giant treadmill and it was a massive treadmill and it would, it would be spinning at like the world record pace. And you'd see people get on and try and run (laughs) on the pace and just completely go ass over tea kettle. They would just just shoot them into the river. Yeah. Just right into fucking outer space, right into the moon. Um, and so people just get completely fucked from That's that. That's um, I mean, four minutes and thirty six seconds is pretty close to running. I mean, it's the fastest, way faster than I've ever run a mile. That's for damn sure. I mean, but he's probably not wearing Vans, am I right? And probably not. He should what be though. He was? What if he was? He could probably run it whenever he wanted to. But just think about like what kind of conditioning do you have to have to hold that type of pace? Like how. It's tiring even to think about how hard you'd have to run to run a four to run a sub five minute mile. I mean, that's no joke. Like anybody who runs one sub five minute mile is pretty damn fit. Did Adam run- Clink do that and then back squat five hundred pounds in the same day? Well, that's that's uh, some Adam Clink is an athlete who came out of uh, CrossFit Krypton, trained with Ben Smith for many many years. I think he's he's taken a step back from competitive fitness recently, but. Very, very strong and but wasn't fit that, individual. But I think wasn't it is that a something thing that, that, that that was a thing that he did. Well, that was one um, of the challenges at one point. Either Dave Castro put out there, or or Greg Glassman talked about a long, long time ago, was that like CrossFit was seeking to build an athlete that could deadlift five hundred pounds and then run a sub five minute mile in the same day. I don't think it was back squat five hundred pounds. I think um, it was deadlift five hundred. Yeah, pounds. that was also in the same vein as the two minute L sit, which is pretty common now. Um, it's a joke. Speaking of CrossFit Krypton, this is something I wanted to talk about today. Now that we're going to do some fitness talk, which is um, guest programmers for the CrossFit main site. And while I think this is really cool, I think this is kind of interesting to talk about from a class perspective. Um, past two days have been a strength piece with a Metcon. And I thought yesterday was really interesting. And James, I'd love to hear this, uh, your take on this, even though your audio is complete ass. Um, the, the, full, <laughs> the, 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 the full session was um, a five by three shoulder press. Then you do the Metcon of four rounds, row 500 meters, 50 double unders, five sets, one wall walk into a strict wall facing handstand push up directly into a 200 foot overhead walking lunge. Now, I know from uh, my time on social media that James, you did this workout yesterday and you subbed a, a run for the row. So really quick, how long did the workout take you? Are you timing workouts these days? Yeah, yeah I think it took us around 18 minutes. So it took it took one of the fittest people in the world 18 minutes to do. Right. I wouldn't say I know. I'll, 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 oh, I know. You're, but I know. Yeah. You're I not, know where you're. you're not, no, you you're don't know where I'm going this. with this. Actually, because you could have. I gone would also fast. say our run is um a little bit longer than a 400, and it has a little uphill at the end. So definitely a, a slightly slower run than like a. It would be right. slower than if I did it on the row. No, not true at all. Because it was probably. It, how fast do you think you'd really row these 500s? A 155. You're not going faster than that. You're not probably one four, probably one forty five, one fifty. I'm a good. You're runner. gonna really for four rounds back to back to back like that. Yeah, impressive. Man, I'm Eighty. You are one of the fittest people in the world, <laughs> so that's how it goes. So, um, Jesus. so anyway, so 
So it's an 18 minute workout for you. Let's say for most humans, it's anywhere between 22 to 25. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's how you would scale it. But. Gents, I got to take a quick pee break here. Do you guys want to pause? You got to keep going. We're going to keep you. going. Shooter's choice. You guys are going to keep going? No, no, yeah. Max See you later, has something he wants I'll be to right say. back. Yeah, so you, you guys go, get into it. I'll be right back. Go drain the lizard and come back. All right, good. Now, good. Now that, that he's gone. Now, Daddy's now, away. That, now that MDV's gone, let's switch. So first off, the movie review stuff that he's talking about, Rudy as the number one sports movie. Rudy is probably the most played out movie ever. First off, nobody cares about Notre Dame at all. Um, also, you just Rudy made a lot would, of people mad, but okay, great. Write in. Uh, I'll give you my address. It is at three two. So um, no, Rudy definitely not uh, a top a top sports movie. Um, but in all seriousness, the point that I was trying to make about this is I feel like. The workout yesterday was really over-programmed, and I'd be interested to hear how you would run this in a 60-minute class with the strength portion of a 5 by 3 shoulder press, then an incredibly high-skilled workout. In my eyes, it's perfect as the four-round piece without the shoulder press. Yeah. I mean, I think I wrote about this on my Instagram. I think I said um... – especially with workouts that have like two or three high skill movements. I think as a coach, you have a couple options. You can do like what I call as a blanket scale. So you're just going to be like, Hey, today in the warm up, we'll focus on maybe the wall walk. But basically if you can't do 50 double unders in less than a minute, you're automatically going to scale to X, Y, and Z. So you kind of put some hard uh, signposts there as far as like, Hey, if you can't do this, you're just going to scale it automatically to this. That's something I would do. Maybe focus on a single skill in the warm-up. Um, you have a lot of overhead and shoulders here, which is nice. So you can probably do a fair amount of general warm-ups that carry over into all three. Um, that's going to help you save some time. The other thing you can do is scale people. Again, kind of go that X, Y, and Z route. Hey, if you can't do more than 40 double-unders in a row every time, um, you're only going to do a minute of attempts. Um, same thing, like, if you can do some wall walks and a strict wall facing handstand push up, um, but you don't know your volume, you're going to spend no more than a minute there to accumulate as many as you can. But it'd be, it's definitely challenging um, to get this thing done super well in a class and teach all elements of it. But the short answer is you're just going to you're just going to probably not spend a lot of time teaching the double under because we see it way more often. You're probably going to spend more time on teaching shoulder press, wall walk, strict wall facing handstand push up. Um, in order to get all that stuff done. And I think too, as a coach, if you're worried about fitting this in, you could always put the shoulder press stuff in at the end. Um, maybe makes it a little less impactful because the shoulders are already tired, but then that would cause you to worry less about time. But I actually, I actually like that a lot better. <laughs> I like the, I like the strength portion at the end um, because I think that it may actually work better as a, you know, I, I know MDV hates this word as a cash out. Um, I don't hate could... cash outs. Why do I hate cash outs? Because oh, I thought you liked holding on to all your monies. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do, so... like, do like doing that for sure. Um, <laughs> that shit on the mattress. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, no, actually, I like that at the end there. It's just, 
I just think it's an interesting conversation because I know at your gym that you coach at CrossFit Mafia, I've seen it. it is mostly if you have a strength day, you have a strength day. And if you have, right. And if you have a skill day, it's a skill day. And if you have a Metcon, it's a Metcon. I know that it's very, what I would call classic CrossFit. And the past two days of the main site are not what I would consider to be classic. So today is 108642 back squat, increasing weight, rest um, no more than three minutes between sets. So that's 15 minutes there. Then, and th this one is probably a little bit easier to do in um, in the 60 minutes, but with a partner complete 10 rounds each for time. 10 burpees to touch and then a um, one seated legless rope climb. So again, I just, it's interesting to see different mm -hmm. programming. Um, obviously there's, first of all, I, I really like this day. Um, well, that's a 20, <clears throat> it's 10 rounds each, right? <clears throat> yeah. So if you're just taking the rest there, well, it's 15 minutes or whatever it is, 12 minutes. If you don't count the last round of rest in the lifting session, right? How many, how many minutes of rest in lifting session? Three minutes between sets, yeah. which is an adequate amount of rest between those types of lifts for sure. Three minutes, 15 minutes. And then you have 10 burpees to touch plus one seated legless rope climb, which is at least a minute per round for most people. It's 10 rounds each. So that's 20 minutes. So that's 35 minutes off the bat that's gone. And then you have the 10, eight, six, four, two, and that's probably going to take at least 15 minutes. So Dang, where are we at already? So 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 35 minutes, 50 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you're there's not a whole lot of time in that timeline to do anything else, but get your athletes mildly warm and then tell them to attack the barbells like Valhalla, man. They're getting you're you're moving pretty fast over to those deadlift uh back squats for sure. You have to. Yeah. Um, I'm I am gonna do the 108642 back squat later today. Yeah, it's a great um, rep scheme. I love that kind of waterfall descending rep scheme. It's great. Yeah, I think I'm going to do this workout too. Um, you know, honestly, I don't have anything wrong with the strength plus Metcon approach. I think I it either. takes, or if it was like a skill, like a heavy focus on a skill before the workout or vice versa, when it occurs, it's not important. I just think um, it is challenging to do. The other thing that I think I like is like, so this workout with a partner complete 10 rounds per time, 10 burpees to touch, and then let's just a seated legless rope climb or a legless rope. I think this is a workout where in some cases I might, um, I like the idea of not having to fit it in this perfect time stimulus. Um, like once in a while, I think it's really important to like let people struggle with a skill. So maybe you have somebody who can do a legless rope climb, but they can't do it at like the intensity to hit this thing, you know, whatever our given timeline is in 15 minutes or 20 minutes, doesn't matter. But it's like, Hey guys, worry less about the time today. Do your burpees take 15 breaths, rest a little bit, go do your legless rope climb. Cause we don't get to practice those higher skills a lot. I guess same thing with the previous day is like what I don't love about the strength plus Metcon approach is sometimes I think it's good to just let it timeline in terms of a workout. Hey, they should take 15 minutes. So what? Let it take 20 and actually learn how to do this skill or practice how to do this skill. I think there's a lot of value there once in a while. So that's why I think the overuse of the strength plus Metcon can be a bummer, but, um, well, I, it's also a really effective approach. I I agree with you there, and this is the, this is the kind of the biggest issue that I see. We have two days in a row where things are really high skill with not a huge opportunity to teach. Like you just said, I think that this is kind of the coolest part about programming things that are high skill, which is letting your athletes learn something new, letting them try a new skill, 
not being obsessed with the clock, not being obsessed with the scoreboard. The only way you can do this is by giving them an adequate amount of time, right? Other, you know, the 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 flip side of this is what you just talked about, which is, hey, we're going to give you some blanket modifications. And I think that there's a time and a place for it, but a blanket modification doesn't get you any better at whatever that skill is. It's essentially you're putting a Band-Aid on the workout for the day and say, hey, or you're putting a little doggy ear if you have, if you read books, like we're going to come back to this at a later date. We're going to try this again. And, and again, I think, we're, you know, we're kind of splitting atoms here with this stuff. And and listen, I personally, for me, if I wasn't in a class setting, which James, I know you don't take class a ton right now. We know MDV takes class here and there, whatever. You could get all this done in 60 minutes, no problem. Because the warm-up that you're probably going to do for your squats is you're going to go probably ride a bike for a couple minutes. You're going to go 30 seconds of air squats. You're going to do some empty bar stuff. You're going to start building up. You're going to get done with that strength, strength portion pretty fast. You're going to warm up for the burpees by doing a couple burpees to touch. And then you're going to warm up the rope climbs. You're going to be fine. An hour for you is fine. But Sorry. Sorry about that. Keep no, going. Now, now you got, he was fucking done with me. <laughs> now, but now you have a 15, 20, 25 person class. And in this class, you have James Hobart, not the fittest person in the world, not even close, but still pretty fit. Um, you've got my mother who's 76, straight OG, killer. And then you have me, some other people in there. It's like, okay, now how are you gonna make this work, right? Like I think in theory, this stuff works really well, but as soon as your class becomes more diverse, your class becomes larger, shoot, maybe spacing becomes an issue. Maybe you're sharing ropes. You know, again, it's like all those things come into account. I think it becomes really hard to fit this in in 60 minutes. And the last oh. thing I'm going to say on this is you are now demanding um, a lot from the coaches in, in, in a way of not actually teaching. And, hey, like you got you to push your guys through this. You know, we got to get everybody through this. Because if you're running, let's say a 536, 37, 38, 30 class, the class needs to get out five minutes early. So you're actually coaching on a 55 minute clock, right? And because how are you going to get equipment put away and all this, yeah. stuff, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare it, timeline, especially for, for an inexperienced coach. It has, it's, it's pretty bad in terms of timeline, group management, running this class effectively it would be really fucking hard for an inexperienced coach to do it. It'd be hard for an experienced coach to do it too. There's just a lot of stuff that you got to cover. There's high skill stuff. It's saying that you have to respect the three minutes rest between sets and all that kind of stuff. There's a buildup of weight, changing out of equipment, moving from the back squat station over to the legless rope climb thing. It's a lot. It's a lot to cover, man. I don't think it's impossible to do in a 60 minute timeline, but it would, you'd see a lot of coaches completely fail in getting this done for sure. I'll tell you what, if we've learned anything from the Boston Celtics and Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. And that is one of the best quotes from one of the best ballers of all time. Big out. 60 minutes just isn't a lot of time, man. It's a, that's a, it's not a whole lot of time if you're considering everything that you have to, should, excuse me, not have to, but should get done with athletes within that class time period. And you're talking about people that are there also for a social experience too. So Max now has to go. You, yeah, you can go, Max. Go, go do your thing, man. So usually you're not getting started until a couple of minutes after the hour starts. And then usually you're ending a couple of minutes before. So there's already four or five minutes off your timeline. So you're really working with 55 minutes or 50 minutes from the jump 
But James, I'm I'm curious to ask you about this because this is something that I don't mind the fact that we have different people programming CrossFit.com, but it just doesn't, there's something about it that's a little strange to me that you have people come in for two weeks at a time and rotate through. Like, how is there any sort of cohesive path here that you're saying, okay, we're going to have Dave come in for two weeks and then you have Adrian come in for two weeks and then Ben Smith come in for two weeks. All of those guys are brilliant. They're all very smart programmers. They've all been doing this stuff for a super long time, but like how, how, how is it woven into like a cohesive plan and not just random where it's just like, what does this person want to do for two weeks? Or are we just saying like, that's okay to have these bouts of training where you are just taking them two weeks at a time and looking at somebody's different perspective on what athletes should do. It's a little bit, it's one, it's one of the things that I, when I saw that CrossFit announced that they were doing this, that like, for me personally was the first question that I asked is like, who, what's the vision then? Like, what, where are you taking these athletes or are we just taking them? If you think about CrossFit being a journey, that's going to be really, really long for people who are following it. And you're just looking at these two week bouts as like these little tiny detours. Like if you're on this really long road trip to get somewhere and you're starting out and you're going to stop and get coffee a couple of times and maybe stop and see the sites at a few different places or whatever, like you're still getting to your destination eventually but you might just not get there as quickly as if you just went in one fucking straight line. So I kind of see both sides of the coin here. I think it is really cool to bring in these people who have been around for a long time, but I also think that it doesn't necessarily lend itself to being like the most cohesive set of workouts. What would make it more cohesive for you? I think understanding like where where the athletes are going or tr having a shared understanding of what are we trying to accomplish and what did, how much are these people communicating? How much did Ben talk to Adrian or Adrian talk to Dave and say, okay, well, what did you do the past two weeks? So did they, did they just look at it and, and, and kind of go off of that, Would which is also a fine strategy. Would they necessarily need to communicate in order to, well, let's, let's back up a little bit further. So what would you think is effective programming? Do you have the, what, what, what is going on with you right now? You have like allergies? Just answer my question. <laughs> yeah. Don't, 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 don't deflect right I'm now. Looking at, <laughs> he looks like he's having an allergic reaction. You eat like shellfish or something? No, he's I'm fine. So, he I'm allergic great. to your stupid question. Just answer it. <laughs> what do I I'm think is effective to your procrastination. I think effective programming is understanding the ultimate goal that you're trying to get your athletes towards and understanding how you want to get them there both efficiently, effectively, and safely. And I think that that, a, that that is different for everybody, but if we're talking about producing a well-rounded, highly prepared athlete, which is probably the goal of most people's CrossFit programming, that you should have an understanding of the types of stimulus that you're putting your athletes through. And it should be intentional in a way that you're trying things uh, and looking back and then thinking about what you're going to do when you go forward. And I guess you could do that with a team of people who alternate programming every couple of weeks. It would just, it would be, in my opinion, more random than planned. Well, I, I think you're just indexing on this concept that you're in, 
when you make an intention that you feel like creates predictability of outcome, that's when you're saying is intentional and not random. I, I think I get what you're saying with, Hey, two weeks here, two weeks there. I've seen this criticism pop up a couple times. I think if someone was to say, well, this doesn't feel very coherent because everybody sort of has their own proclivities when they program mm. or maybe their own, like for me, if I program for you, you're probably going to squat way more than you should. Um, or for example, or whatever. Yeah. But in that sense, I would say, yeah, I think you're going to see some sort of preferences across people that maybe changes the coherency of it. If that's how we're defining coherency. The other thing is, I think that a lot of this comes to outcome, right? So it's like, let's say I follow CrossFit.com and you know, I followed across these three weeks or excuse me, six weeks. So it went, uh, Dave, it went back to just being regular CrossFit.com. It went Boz back to regular CrossFit.com. Now Ben Smith. Um, and then ben do another, another two weeks. And then there's, so they're going to have another guest programmer come in. Matt, you happen in there? Maybe. And I, and I see some, um, are you going to do it? Uh, I would do anything. It's kind of like, no, it's, it's kind of like freshman year. Like, okay, yeah, I'll try it. Why not? Well, I think they are going to look into some, um, you know, like prominent affiliate standouts programming it, but, um, which would be really cool. But my point is if you're having people get fitter, I get the perception of, of wanting to have something coherent or that looks like planned out in a specific way, um, with a specific intended goal. But at the end of the day, all that matters is that, people are seeing results and getting fitter and coming, I would say more importantly, coming back into the gym day to day. Like the goal of today is to get somebody to come back tomorrow. Fundamentally. Is um, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but, um, keep going, James. I think, I think the real argument is here is like, Hey, if all you're doing is just looking at what you've done in the past and then today doing something different for the sake of variance, that doesn't look coherent. That doesn't look very planned. That looks random. Um, I don't think it's random. I don't think it is a plan in a way as much as some people really want to, but our stuff is, you know, our presupposition is that you get fitter by following variants, especially over a really, really long time horizon. Just like exposure. You said, we're not just, yeah. We're not just talking about two weeks. Um, you know, and I know these guys are, are working together in the sense that they're looking back at what has been programmed in order to fill some gaps. It'd be cool to do an analysis of these six, eight weeks of programming and see how how all of this fits together and do we have some glaring holes or some gaps or are we bearing down on a single thing too much? Um, I think the unsatisfactory answer is that one, it's a really long time horizon and people hate hearing this. So what you do today, this month, if you're doing CrossFit for 10 years, as long as you're not getting injured, probably doesn't matter. Um, That's the damn truth. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that goes, I for think- a, that goes for a lot of fitness and also goes for nutrition, right? Yeah. And I, I do think there's an experiment to it. Like, you know, I talked to Adam Neifer and, you know, he does the thing and I've shared this with you guys before. And he does the thing. I think you guys do this at NC fit once in a while. Adam Neifer, like a- CrossFit, Fort, Fort Vancouver, uh, tremendous coach, coach Justin Medeiros to the podium. Coach multiple teams to, you know, to, to championship levels at the games, um, has had a 10 year plus affiliate, but yeah, they do a, they do a hero workout focus, you know, so they'll, at the end of the month, we're going to test a hero workout and throughout the month, there'll be little breadcrumbs to work on elements of that hero workout, you know, is something like that, that has the more, I don't know, acutely defined goal. Is that, is that more or less random than this approach? 
I think you could argue it. Is that an easier approach to feel comfortable following because the short-term goal is outlined? I think that's a yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think one of the challenging things about CrossFit and I've experienced this the longer I've done it is because of the variance and there's probably an optimal level, right? There's probably too much variance. There's probably too little. There's an optimal level, um, for, for an individual to get fit. But, um, was I saying in terms of variance? Oh, I've struggled with this. It's like, sometimes it's like, you can't see the forest for the trees with CrossFit. Like I've been doing CrossFit for 15 years and I don't see tons of PRs. And because the variance is, you know, it is happening day to day. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm getting better at. Like I mm. fundamentally believe I'm getting better. When I retest a benchmark, I might have some evidence for that. But I definitely think that is challenging for people. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And I do think that's why we fall back. I'm like, hey, I want to see a periodized strength progression on top of my programming. Or I want to have a certain monthly focus. That's what we did at Ham Plan because we felt, believed that it didn't sacrifice CrossFit GPP and core fundamentals, but it did make it easier for people day to day to kind of understand where they're going. I think it's yeah, really challenging. Sure. Anyway. I think it's unsat I it's an unsatisfying answer for people yeah. to ask to say, hey, how do I know I'm getting better? And sometimes the answer is, well, you haven't been in the program long enough to really, well, where did you guys go? My whole, desktop, my whole desktop just evaporated. You're back. Don't worry. Um, it's an unsatisfying answer, I think, for people sometimes. And it's hard to wrap your mind around the fact that like, yeah, you just got to trust the process and show up and do the workouts and rest when you're supposed to rest and make sure that you're not just cherry picking the certain things that you want to do and avoiding the things that you don't want to do. And if you do those things, it's okay. You can cherry pick workouts. I'm not saying that like you're a fucking adult. Like if you don't want to do a certain type of movement or if you don't want to go to a certain type of workout, don't go, but then don't, don't have this misconception that you're going to magically be better at these things. You might marginally get better at them because of the broad exposure that you're going to get from the CrossFit programming and stuff bleeds into the other stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is a burning question in terms of like, unless you have a super specific end goal, super specific, Hey, I want to have this certain type of physique with this percentage of body fat, I want to lift this kind of weight. I want to be able to run this kind of distance in this kind of time. Then like having more linear progressive type of training is obviously the way that you should go. Like if that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not saying that you couldn't do it with a more varied type of training. You certainly could. You just might not get there as quick, as quickly. But like if and your goal is to just generally feel pretty good and to give yourself a broad exposure and to have a a general capability to do all things human, then doing CrossFit style programming is a, is a very good option. I don't think it's the be all end all option. I think that there are holes. I don't think that you do enough unilateral work. I don't think you do enough uh, lateral work, side to side stuff. There's not enough rotational work in there. And that's just looking at programming across the past 15 years. I've been looking at it. We just don't see enough of those things. We but probably I don't, could get, sorry, go ahead. Keep, keep going. No, I just, um, I, I think it's more than being pretty fit. CrossFit gets you really fucking fit. And like, I, personally, I, I don't really have a pro a, a problem with, you know, guest programmers. Like we're, we're back to following two weeks behind the main site and I tweak the workouts, however I want to tweak them. And I'll put a team workout in there. And, and I kind of have the same, I guess, kind of the same mindset that, that James does. I care about people coming back the next day. I, I care about people feeling 
excited, entertained, challenged by the programming. My biggest thing was what I already talked about, which is I don't want to overload my athletes at all. I think, sure, once in a while, I, you know, you can give them that that little thing that might push them over the edge. But ultimately, I, as a trainer and as a coach, I want to err on the side of caution because I need people to come back for as long as they possibly can. And like James is talking about in the beginning of this podcast, like what training did James do for a 36 mile hike? And I get it, right? Like, sure, James is an outlier, but if this is really the ultimate goal, which is following an inclusive program that will allow you to thrive in other areas in your life, as long as you're able to go out and accomplish all these things, the program's effective, right? And um, I know speaking for from my own experience, when I do, and this is, is again, it it's all about me, but when it, when I follow like, oh, I'm going to follow this, like this strength program, there is nothing more fucking boring and monotonous to me than like, oh, got to get in, got to get in my strength work. The reason I love CrossFit is because of the entertainment is because of, wow, this is different. Oh, and do I know specifically if I'm getting better? I have no clue. I'm assuming that I'm getting better because what's the flip side? Not working out. I know for sure that if I'm not moving, I'm probably not going to get better. But I am also of the belief that if I'm doing anything, it's better than nothing. So I'm certainly taking a step forward. Yeah. And I, James, go. No, and I just, I just want to add on too. like, I do agree with you, MDV. Like, I'm not just like a blind supporter here. I do agree. Like having like a very clearly outlined short-term plan that has like a specific acute goal Generally, I think that's easier for athletes and coaches to, to pallet that. Like, for I sure. do think following CrossFit.com as is, it's possible long-term. There's all the tools there to do a long-term, but sometimes it is not easy. You know, um, it's easier to be like, hey, this month we're getting better at back squats and running. And here's how we're going to do it. Here's yeah. what you're going to see rather than just the, the day-to-day variance where you could say, well, we did back squat and run this month. So we likely got better at back squatting and running. That's, that's a much harder. I think in some cases, it's harder for people to follow that. And it definitely looks like the plan. There's no plan because like Max said, the time horizon is so long. I, I think that some of this too comes down to be like comparison, being the thief of joy, right? Because when you are doing a program like CrossFit, which is a, a general physical preparedness program, which might not have specific, super specific markers for you to measure your success. It, it, you know, a lot of times you're in a, in a CrossFit style program, you need to have the consistency of exposure over a long enough period of time. And then the athlete is going to give you their feedback about, Hey, this is how I felt, looked, um, was performing when I started. And this, this has kind of been my journey throughout. And then this is where I'm at. So you're just kind of measuring different points in time and you're going, all right, how do I feel? How do I look? How am I able to perform? What am I doing in and out of the gym? And all those kinds of factors weigh in for me, at least to a successful or unsuccessful program. But when you're looking at other people and you're looking at, oh man, that guy's legs are so much bigger than mine, or this guy's back squat so much better. Or like, I saw this chick who's bench pressing three times her body weight on Instagram or whatever it is. Like you can get wrapped up in that stuff and you can go, 
I want to have some of that. I want to have bigger legs. I want to have a three times body weight bench press. I want to be the guy that's, you know, doing Fran in sub two minutes. What was that guy's name again? Remember that guy a long, long time ago? Rabdo? Remember the guy with the glasses who was the, one of the first guys ever to Jason, video? Jason Kaplan, I think. Oh, my goodness. What an OG reference of uh, uh, old school, early internet CrossFit video. Jason Rabdo Kaplan. Anyway, that video probably exists. That was his nickname. His That video probably exists somewhere. But And he did Fran sub two minutes? I think it was sub two minutes. I think it was like a minute. Amazing. It, it, I mean, it, it's the most ungodly fast, at least at the time that I saw it, most ungodly fast version of that workout. Um, but that comparison being the thief of joy in fitness programs, I think if you're going to, if you're going to sign up for something like CrossFit, I think you have to have that understanding that like my goals here are different than the specific goals of somebody in a booty building program or a bench pest program, or somebody who's going to go out there and try and PR their marathon. All those things can happen for you, but they might just not happen as fast as they would happen in a super specific program where other things are going to fall by the wayside. When you're in a specific type of program, all the other stuff that you might be looking past right now, like the capacities that you have developed that you are taking for granted, you might not have those if you were just solely showing up to the gym to bench press every day to build a three times body weight bench press. Anyway. That's my whole spiel. It's really fucking hard. I think that's it's it's hard for me still in the fitness biz to like in in this industry when you log on to Instagram, you see everybody's jacked out of their mind and doing, you know, ridiculous things. And you know, you can you can get really down on yourself to not be at the level that all these people are at with the very specific things that they're very good at. But one thing that's been helping me a whole lot and I hope that this sparks some discussion with you guys is like I'm just trying to make the next best decision that I can make in terms of my health, my fitness, and my nutrition. And instead of thinking about like all of this stuff that I want to happen way down the road, like what's the what's the one thing that I can do right now today that pushes me a little bit closer to that? And if I'm going to make a decision that maybe doesn't get me closer to that, it's going to take me away. I want to do something that isn't going to get me there as efficiently or effectively, at least am I conscious of what, what am I doing so that I can realize like, okay, cool. I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to have this kind of meal instead of having this kind of meal or whatever. But just kind of being more reduction, reductionist in decision-making, just like, what's the next best thing you can do? I'm being I think more redonkulous. Being yeah. more redonkulous. <laughs> building a building a bigger bedonk donk. Um, no, I think uh, starting a squat program. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that. I mean, this is something that I think about all the time in what I talk to all my members about, whether they are taking group classes or they're doing some one-on-one -on -one stuff, which is just figure out the next actionable step. You know, whatever the whatever the long-term goal is, what's literally the, the next step that you need to take, right? I know for me personally, when things get really, really busy, this is what I focus on the most, which is like, hey, I no matter what, I need to carve out 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, however long the class workout is, whatever I've told myself I'm doing, I, I need to get that done. And I used to... It, it used to be so hard for me to do this because I'm like, oh, well, 
you know, if it's not the perfect environment for me to do this workout, it, you know, is this workout effective? And, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday, I had 30 minutes from start to finish. We had a workout that was three sets of a snatch complex. The first one was high hang muscle, hang muscle, muscle snatch, three overhead squat, three sets of that, three sets of high hang power, hang power, power, two overhead squats, and then three sets, uh, hang, high hang squat, hang squat, squat, one overhead squat. I had 30 minutes start to finish. I literally took three minutes to just move with the empty barbell as much as I could. I set the timer. I said, every three minutes, I'm going to do a set. I had the best fucking workout ever, right? Put on all my favorite songs, mostly uh, early 2000s Southern hip hop on Spotify. Oh, just Bubba so, Sparks? Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> miss new, just Miss New Booty on repeat. No, but I... um. But I, I had I had the best time ever in 30 minutes from start to finish. And was it optimal? No, it certainly wasn't optimal. We're, you know, if I had had an hour, could it have, quote unquote, been a better session? But again, like, what's the alternative that I don't fucking do it? I'm like, I'm going to get this in. And it was awesome. And I think that I don't know, like, I, I know we're talking about programs and progressions and all this other stuff. If working out makes you feel good, it doesn't even fucking matter what you do. Like, truly. It, it really doesn't. If you can finish a workout and you finish that workout and you feel so goddamn good, you're like, well, shit, like, is there anything even close to better than this? I watched, again, I only stalk James on, uh, on Instagram now, but I watched this video of him doing yesterday's workout and I see his dog doing the fucking 400 meter run. And I'm like, is there anything better then you're with your significant other, the person you love the most, with your fucking dog, who you also love the most besides your significant other. You're doing the workout together. Like, tell me something that's that's going to make you feel better than that. And then tell me who the who even cares what fucking progression or planet you're on at that point, because like everything is so much better. And our goal as coaches, as programmers, is to give people that feeling every single day and imagine they could get that feeling from doing the same goddamn workout every day but most likely they're not most likely they're not because they're going to get pretty freaking bored so that's why you're going to make it different <laughs> like and that's it there you go and hopefully you don't program a bunch of redundant bullshit that gets them injured because now they've done shoulders every single day for 92 days their arms fall off right now you start the squat program now they're like you know it's like <laughs> There's something to that for sure, man. I think like it, it's a big goals conversation for me. The more specific your goal is, the more specific your training should be. If that's like, if that's what you are trying to chase, but if you generally want to look good, you generally want to feel good. You want to have a good time when you show up to the gym, you can, you want to dance. Yeah. If you want to dance and just want to dance, you can certainly do that <laughs> in spades in this kind of program, in the type of environment that, um, that suits you. And there's all there's all different types of flavors out there of CrossFit affiliates. And I think that this is, this is where you get the argument for the beauty of having the affiliate model over the franchise model, where if I don't like one version of what the expression is, go find a different version of what the expression is. The unfortunate part there. of that is, yes, it is out there. The unfortunate part of that is a lot of people don't know that and blah, blah, blah. We've talked about that ad nauseum max, but something you said there really hit a chord with me, man. It's like, what could be better 
than doing what can be better than spending time with people you love who appreciate you and doing things that you guys mutually appreciate or mutually challenges you like that's is there anything more gratifying than that in life like that like seems to be the fucking golden capsule of experience like spend time with people you love and who love you and do things that you guys love or challenge you it's like that's the best i yeah and i mean i think that now more so than ever that's like what i really care the most about like this sounds so cheesy but like this past saturday uh brit and i woke up we like took the 7 a.m together we got to work out to got to work out together and i'm driving home and i was like and i just i think i just said i'm like oh like isn't like isn't you know life just like the best like what are you talking about i'm like I don't know. Like we just fucking got to work out together at, at a gym that we both own. And the people that we worked out with Margo was there who Mike Finn, who was on our episode last week, his sister was there. A couple of my buddies were all, we're all just working out together. I'm like, wow. I mean, it is pretty fucking simple. Right. And the, the thing, and it, it certainly can be in the, and that's the thing that I'm realizing like more so than ever, like that's really the ultimate goal when like when we're running a gym or we're running a class, right? Like I want to be able to let more people experience that feeling, you know, like that feeling of enjoying being challenged, right? Enjoying moving their bodies and, and then being able to appreciate putting in that hard work because not a lot of people feel that way. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way that we, the way that we look at exercise, you know, it's like, it's like a means to an ends, right? Like I know people talk a lot about like, oh, you know, how many calories you're going to burn and, and all this other stuff. And, you know, I, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole because I know we've been talking for a while, but this was the big reason why I stopped using any type of tracking device um, when I worked out. So, you know, there's, there's a number of wearables out there and they all track your output and, how many calories you burned and your strain. I'm not going to mention any brands here um, because we're still looking for sponsorships, but G-Shock. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I, I stopped wearing all those things because it was taking away from my experience. You know, I would, I would look at, you know, these wearables and that's how I would measure my success. Oh, I only hit, you know, this number strain, this number steps this far. It's like, that doesn't even fucking matter. Like yeah. none of that actually matters unless I had a specific goal that was associated with that. Right. Like unless I was training to run the first two hour and 34 second marathon, which I'm not, I'm going for two hours, 36 seconds. That's what I'm going for. One, but, just you know, one second over. One just second close over. enough. Well, just so nobody suspects <laughs> just, any foul play, you know, like just, just put so some people fear like, <laughs> in the, strike some fear yeah. in the heart of yeah. this dude. Um, no, but you know, in, unless I have some specific goal, why does it even matter? I don't know. And that, you know, a That's lot a of these, question. a lot of these, a lot of these companies don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear from me, which is okay. They're not calling me back anyway. Um, well, a lot of, I think a lot of that <laughs> stuff is also to give people the satisfaction that they're doing the thing that they're supposed to do or the thing that they're doing is working for them. And 
some yeah. of that, I mean, I, I, God, I, I think we all can understand that, that you want to know that your workout was effective for you. Immediate gratification. I need to know that this got me to a certain heart rate. I yeah. need to know this got me certain calories burned. I need, and some people use that as fuel, as motivation to continue on and to, to make better decisions going forward. You are, you are right there. For me, I don't like having the data either. I think I get too wrapped up in, in all of the data. I think for me, the best thing is just what's the best decision that I should make right now. And does that mean that I'm going to go and train really hard today because Yesterday, I didn't train so hard because that was the best decision for me yesterday. Whatever. I think that that's been really powerful for me. Anyway, boys, we've been talking for a while here. This was a really great episode. I appreciate you guys so much. Any recommendations, music, movies, food. We're going to go around the table here. I'm going to start off. I just rewatched Breaking Bad start to finish, cover to cover, first episode to last episode. How long did it take you? One day, just all five seasons. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's watched it over the course of many weeks. And what an amazing, amazing show. Very challenging to watch at points, but Breaking Bad would be my recommendation. James, oh, what do you got? I just wanted to talk to you guys. We don't have time to go over how my Spotify Discover Weekly algorithm is just off out of this world right now. We shall talk about week, that so it's, like, it's like Halloween music. And then it's like this folk music, Halloween. and then it's like EDM. It's out of control. What kind of Halloween music on. is it? Like Monster Mash? And, and no, I got this song. It's like a new song it's called Halloween by JP Ashkar. Oh wait, I have a it's great. So good. I, I have a great Halloween joke, and then a recommendation. I saw this great Halloween joke, and it's just a uh, Dracula is talking to his son, like having the sex talk with his son, and Dracula is <laughs> like, you know, when two monsters um, love each other. They do the mash, and the kid goes, the monster mash? They do the mash. They do the monster mash. And my recommendation is this wonderful new card game. We obviously don't have video, but I'm showing you guys. It's called Monopoly Deal. And if you love Monopoly, but you hate the fact that your parents got divorced over the last game that you played, (laughs) this is going to be the version for you because you can play one hand in 15 minutes or under, and it is awesome. I think that this, James, listen up, this is going to be the best ski game. You know you have to have a good card game during ski season. Maybe a Guinness, maybe a soda water, maybe Maybe some some gluten pretzels. All right, fellas. Love you guys. Peace. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go. Let's go.